Hello everyone and welcome to the CMO Stories podcast, episode 6. And as I told you already, it's season 2 and I'm at the Web Summit. And today I'm talking to Amanda. Amanda, how are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm really excited to be at Web Summit. It's already the third day. So guys, Amanda Gasset, is that the right name to put? That's right. Amanda is the co-founder and president of Mojito, a new Web3 platform for NFT, commerce, finance, and community engagement. Mojito is the first venture to spin out of Serotonin, and that's a crypto-native strategic marketing firm and product studio that Amanda is CEO of. So, Amanda, okay, you are in crypto. It feels like this web summit, comparing to the last year, there is a lot of talk, a lot of things are happening in Web3, the crypto sphere. What do you think is, uh, what are your thoughts on the current status of the Web3 market? So, obviously, we're in a crypto bear market right now. Um, But what's more important than the actual prices of crypto assets is all of the building that's going on in the ecosystem. And you see so many Web3 native companies being built right now. So many developers that are learning languages like Solidity and coming into the ecosystem. You see venture funds that have funded all of these Web3 startups. And then you see traditional and Web2 businesses starting to build their own ventures into Web3. And so I think that from like a crypto asset perspective, we're in a bear market. But from a builder's perspective, there's no better time than the present. And I think that we're going to see a lot of new innovation and a lot of new Web3 companies going into the next cycle. Yeah, I feel that also it's actually, people say that it's more like 2.5, Web 2.5. So we actually coined the term the Web 2.5 serotonin. We wrote a report. If you look this up, it's the serotonin Web 2.5 report where we indexed the entire Web 2.5 ecosystem and we really popularized that term. Okay, nice. Well, also, I heard you talking on stage, I think it was yesterday, and you were talking about the metaverse and all these different (laughs) definitions that were there. You see that there are a lot of technical terms and not everyone understands the same thing about sure. these concepts. Do you feel like uh, to make progress with Web3 that we need to be more clearer on these definitions? Or? I mean, I don't think it matters to your average end user whether they're quote-unquote in the metaverse or not. I think they're just having an experience. Yeah. And in my opinion, if that experience is happening in a way where their attention is focused on a screen, then that counts as being in the metaverse for anyone who cares. But honestly, who cares? And then in terms of Web3, I also think you don't need to brand it Web3 or use any Web3 jargon in order to be successful. For example, Reddit really recently rolled out these um, NFT avatars that they called digital collectibles. They didn't even use the term NFT. It went super well. And that's where we're going to end up. It used to be that early web companies would call themselves web companies or internet companies. And now they're just companies. Similarly, we're not going to have Web3 startups. We're not going to have NFTs. We're just going to have startups and we're going to have digital collectibles, digital goods, and then it'll just be goods. Yeah, I think digital collectibles, like it's a term that people will like more than just like uh, NFTs. That's something technical and people are not really... For instance, also the term metaverse. If I talk to people that are not in Web3, they think about Facebook. Totally. And I think Facebook very intentionally, by renaming itself Meta, intended to confuse people into thinking that meta is synonymous with the metaverse and that there really is only one metaverse, when really there are multiple competing metaverse worlds with very different theses about how they should work. 
And I think users should be informed about that and should opt into using metaverse worlds that offer creators beneficial economics, where their data is properly stored, where users are remunerated for their data. I think, you know, if we're going to increasingly live our lives in these immersive digital spaces, it really matters who owns them. Yeah, indeed. Also, you're talking about these different metaverses. For instance, I've organized, and I'm also organizing again, events in the metaverse, like mm-hmm. mini TED Talks. We call it mini, mini meta talks in the metaverse, <laughs> but that's in spatial, so we can walk around in spatial. But then if they want to go to another metaverse, it's not like so easy. So this interoperability, that's so just important. In- it's so important that the Web3 enabled metaverse worlds have an open set of standards that they all follow so that all of the assets in those worlds are portable between them. And I think that's going to make users more excited to buy and win and hold those assets if they aren't locked into a particular world or another one. Yeah. So with assets, so you're not only talking about your avatar, which is the same in every world. Talking about portability for all of your on-chain assets so that they can move between Web3-enabled metaverse worlds. Right. Do you see a lot of improvement in the next years for that? Definitely. So I already see... So we work with Decentraland. We're very close partners with them. We also work with a lot of brands and companies that are building in Sandbox, and we know that team too. We're excited to see there be more Web3-enabled metaverse worlds. I'm super excited about one called Wilder World, which is actually the first HD photorealistic metaverse, which is really cool. There are all these awesome use cases like imagine the art use case like imagine an artist has created something in the physical world that's really beautiful how do we bring that into the metaverse they don't want to make a cartoon version of it that doesn't really make sense it only makes sense to have a photorealistic metaverse option Mm -hmm. where you can move that kind of asset and so i see these web3 enabled worlds actually collaborating on a set of open standards because it benefits all of them to adhere to those standards and for developers in those worlds to adhere to them because that has the potential to make the assets and all of them more valuable. Yeah, I think the aspect of a realistic metaverses, like you say, is mm-hmm. important. That's why I love spatial too. Huh? Totally. For instance, because you really feel like like you're in the real in the real world. Photorealism. Yeah. Talking about NFTs, I also see that you have like these beautiful NFTs, and then you have like these pixelated NFTs. Do you think for people of businesses that want to use NFTs? for their business, that the design is important? There are always design standards around new technologies. I remember when I started working in the crypto space in 2015, almost every blockchain company between 2015 and 2017 had a website with these kind of constellations of moving triangles. Do you remember that? Do you remember that aesthetic? And then the standards changed. And today, if you're a blockchain crypto company and you have moving triangles in a constellation on your website it feels anachronistic. Like it feels, um, it feels done and over. Yeah. And I think we're going to see the graphic design styles in NFTs evolve as the space evolves. And we're going to see brands, you know, keep up with that. Yeah, right. Another aspect important in Web3 is digital identity so mm-hmm. that people can... What are your thoughts on that? So basically what the blockchain is, is a new root identity system that starts with wallets. Um, So right now we have multiple different root identity systems. Facebook offers one through its various platforms. Google offers one. Your government-issued ID and social security number offer you one. The blockchain is a novel root identity system that starts with the wallet. 
which means it can be configurably pseudonymous. Mm -hmm. It's either linked to that government name or it's not. And on top of that base blockchain root identity system, you can add communication layers, you can add reputation, you can add attestations, medallions, certificates, credentials. And I think it's a great way to rebuild identity from square one and Mm -hmm. allow individuals to granularly reveal or conceal parts of their identity, right? Today, you walk into a bar, and in the U.S., you need to be 21. And when they look at your ID, they also see your eye color, your weight, your address. Well, they don't really need to see that. All they need to do is verify your birthday. Right. So I think where we're going to go with blockchain-based identity is someone that owns a wallet will only need to share the minimum viable amount of information in order to do the thing that they're trying to do without sharing the rest. And you layer zero-knowledge proofs on top of that, which is basically the math that allows you to have that interaction without actually looking at the contents of a wallet. And there suddenly you have a new, high-quality, comprehensive root identity system that's self-sovereign and controlled by the user, monetizable by the user, with privacy built in. Right. Protect your own data, but this is if you check in an hotel, you need to give your ID. If you, if I, I was in uh, in San Diego and Anaheim um, two weeks ago after a mastermind, I went to Disneyland and they take pictures of you. I don't know what they need to take my picture to enter Disneyland. And I go outside, so do this information. Okay, they need to have it for some way, but it's not for me too much that they have that they don't need. So, therefore, digital identity can share what you want to share. I think it's important. But one of the things, when I talk about that with people, is they talk about they lost, either they lost money or they were scammed or they are afraid of how will it work. Um, whether you're thinking about that or do you see like there also improvements? I think it's the same pattern as the early web, right? In the early days of the web, there were lots of scam artists. There was so much you know, investor exuberance in the space that a lot of bad actors saw an opportunity to make a buck. and came into the space with bad intentions. And I think wherever there's a big financial upside, you're going to just see some of that behavior. And that's what we saw with every cycle of exuberance about Web3. What users and investors need to do is get educated about Web3 and be able to do their own research and separate the wheat from the chaff. And there also need to be community mechanisms to validate which of these applications are good and usable, and we're starting to see those emerge, and which ones aren't. So I think the role that's played by technical diligence firms, audit firms, is really interesting. Folks like um, like Open Zeppelin and Consensus Diligence, they're playing a really crucial role in telling consumers that certain smart contracts are actually more or less safe to use, right? You're not going to have a diligence firm say it's 100%, right? But I think audit firms play a really big role in that. I think we're starting to see more more folks pulling in data that are trying to make like Bloomberg terminals around different projects and rating systems. There should be like a like a consumer health bureau that's mm-hmm. decentralized, yeah. um, like a better business bureau that's yeah. decentralized for rating the quality of these protocols. And you're going to see these things come about and, and you're seeing it happen. Right. Also, you mentioned the word community. So I feel like there is a Web3 community and community is really strong mm-hmm. in Web3. We have a lot of opportunities. But what... People now that want to build their Web3 community, they talk about Discord, about Twitter, about Telegram, that are the typical ones. Mm-hmm. Is that also what you would say, go there in, to, to join the community or are there other spaces? So I would recommend um, finding a project that you care about, whether that's an NFT collection, whether it's a certain DeFi protocol that you enjoy using, whether it's a metaverse world that you're enjoying exploring, and then start with the actual project or application that matters to you. 
and then go on the channels that are native to that application. Some of them will have a Telegram, some of them will have a Discord, some of them will have like a, a meeting space in a metaverse world, like the actual like Board Ape Yacht Club venue, yeah. for example, or like yeah. the World of Women House in, the, in Decentraland. And then to meet your project on its own channels, and that's a great place to connect with the other people that care about it. And often there are local meetups where you can go and actually meet IRL with other people that care about the project too. I think that's a really good tip. Just don't look at the channel. Just go for a project that sits in your interest and then go from there. Totally. What would you say to, call them traditional, but firms that are, or companies or businesses that are, in web, are using Web2 for their marketing, for their business and want to go to Web3? What would be just, you know, to be ahead of the rest? What would you advise them to do? Yeah, so a few things. I think every company is going to end up a Web3 company the same way that every company ended up a web company. And you can either be a leader and be one of the first to do it and get the brand recognition of being an innovator, or you can be a follower and get scooped by a competitor because you haven't adapted your business model to Web3 fast mm -hmm. enough. I wouldn't be discouraged by the bear market. It's not a cope to call this a builder's market. It's the perfect time to start building so that when we're at the top of the market, you're ready to launch. So many companies start building at the very top, and then by the time they're ready to launch, the market conditions have actually changed, and so they're not launching into the conditions that they wanted. So the best thing to do is be as prepared as possible. I would also say for any Web3 metaverse strategy, the North Star is, is this augmentative? Is this strengthening to the existing Web3 community? Or is this pulling resources and diverting them elsewhere, mm -hmm. right? And that's what Web3 natives care about. So figuring out how to come into Web3 in a way that strengthens the existing community or reinforces it or validates it, that's really important. You can do that by partnering with um, Web3 native projects and protocols, partnering with Web3 influencers, create, creating incentive alignment engines. You can actually economically align with your communities, rewarding your past community or existing communities in Web3 based on their past behavior. Whitelisting is a really interesting mechanism. Airdrops and claimables. There are a lot of different tools. And if you want to learn how to do this, I actually have a book coming out oh. um, that's called Web3 Mar Marketing, a handbook for the next internet revolution. It's one of the first ever Web3 business books. And it's coming out from Wiley on April 4th, 2023. Can we already pre-order your book? Very soon. Possibly by the time this podcast drops, you'll okay. be able to go on Amazon and pre-order. Okay, guys, if you're listening to this podcast, be sure to check the show notes because I will put the link in there. Thank you there. very much. So, Amanda, I know you have limited time today. Right? You have a lot of meetings or other podcasts, maybe to room. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Super fun. Great questions. Amanda, if people want to reach out to you or connect with you, what would be the best place? So, I'm at amanda.eth on Twitter. That's also my, my ENS handle. Also, send me an email if you want, amanda at serotonin.co. Serotonin, spelled like the word, the neurotransmitter. Okay. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you like this podcast, if you got value out of this podcast, which I'm sure you have, <laughs> be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. And if you are thinking of people around you that could benefit from this podcast episode, be sure to share it with them. And of course, I would like to see you back for the next podcast. Bye. Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you on web3.net. The link is also in the podcast description. And also be sure to check out our NFTs on cmo-stories.uncut.fm. 
And of course, if you like to be connected with me on social media, you can find me on Twitter or on Instagram or on LinkedIn. Just find me with my username, Yuri Belast. And of course, I hope to see you back for the next podcast episode. Take care.